This is Benjamin Whitmer, author of Pike, and you're listening to the best fucking podcast on the planet. Two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. The book that we're going to be talking about for this episode is The Last Final Girl by Stephen Graham Jones. A little bit about Stephen. This is his uh, author bio from Amazon we pulled it off of. And I have to say this is probably one of the best author bios I've read in a long time. Born and raised in Texas. 40. Blackfeet. Into werewolves and slashers and zombies. Would wear a pirate shirt a lot if he could find them and probably carry some kind of sword. Stephen Graham Jones was a guest of ours oh, um, back in July of last year. Um, <laughs> what a terrific guy to talk to. That dude is just endlessly entertaining and interesting. And Not only that, but you know what? We have a, 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 you know, a horror, a slasher book to read in, in October of all months, so that, that gains some extra brownie points <laughs> in my book. Yes. Here's a little bit about The Last Final Girl. Uh, Rob's going to help me out with this because it's lengthy and I don't read too good. Life in a slasher film is easy. You just have to know when to die. Aerial view. A suburban town in Texas. Everyone's got an automatic garage door opener. All the kids jump off a perilous cliff into the shallow river as a rite of passage. The sheriff is a local celebrity. You know this town. You're from this town. Zoom in. Homecoming princess Lindsay. She's just barely escaped death at the hands of a brutal, sadistic murderer in a Michael Jackson mask. Up on the cliff, she was rescued by a horse and bravely defeated the killer alone and brawless. Her story is already a legend. She's this town's heroic final girl, the Virgin Angel. Monster vision. Halloween masks floating down that same river the kids jump into. But just as one slaughter is not enough for Billie Jean, our mass killer, one victory is not enough for Lindsay. Her high school is full of final girls, and she's not the only one who knows the rules of the game. When Lindsay chooses a host of virgins, misfits, and former final girls to replace the slaughtered members of her original homecoming court, it's not just a fight for survival, it's a fight to become the last final girl. Just to start off, what did you think about the concept of the book? Um, I really liked it. It was, it was uh, unique, at least to me. I've never read anything that was really a full-length novel written in this in this style. The other thing that I thought of immediately when we started reading this book is who of the people that we know and have mentioned on the podcast regularly would be the first person that springs to mind that's not Stephen Graham Jones? David James Keaton. Without question. <laughs> so the reason we say that is um, the first thing I want to talk about is a little bit about the format of the book, the way that he wrote it. It's a little bit unique in the fact that it's kind of half screenplay, half novel. Not necessarily the way a screenplay is typically written, but... Um, essentially what happens is the action of the book is told by describing what the camera perspective would be if we were seeing this as a movie instead of reading it as a book. Um, so he uses a lot of technical movie terms and says POV a lot when he's talking about, you know, we're switching from seeing things from one character's perspective to seeing them from another and that type of thing. So that's how all the action in the book is written. But the dialogue and any other elements there are, are written as a typical book would be written. Yeah, it's it's interesting. He uses um, you know, kind of an arrow at the beginning of every new 
you know, cut scene, I guess. And uh, here's, here's an example. So Master set the bullhorn down to lead this round of clapping. Izzy's POV desperately searching the stands, the faces, the wings, the field for, and there's a space, and, the, and there's an arrow, and it says, Dad, question mark, she's saying, Mom, question mark. No, so it cuts to a whole different scene. You know, I mean, that's kind of how yep. the whole yeah. book is written. So very much in the style of, of a film. And I, I have to imagine that you have to be pretty well-versed in film to be able to kind of to kind of pull that off. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it does give it a very sim- cinematic feel, which to me kept the pace pretty brisk. Um, there are some books and some that we've read very, very recently that were so painfully slow that going to something like this is just such a breath of fresh air. I think we even mentioned it on the uh, casual vacancy review when we were recording the the episode, I had already started reading this book and I blasted through the first 15 or 20 pages really without even um, noticing it. I just, uh, you know, I, I had to, I just put it down at one point and I said, man, I'm already 20 pages into this without even really trying. Yeah. It's really a breath of fresh air, especially after that disaster. <laughs> um, so the other reason David James Keaton comes to mind is this is certainly an homage to, Oh, I don't know. Almost every horror movie ever made. It seems like, um, there are mentions of, you know, either specifically a film or characters from a film or situations from a film, and uh, God, I didn't realize until I read this that I must I'm actually kind of a kind of a horror film fan because I, I there was very few references that passed by me that I didn't immediately recognize for what they were. Yeah, it was definitely um, a fun piece for fanboys of horror fiction. I think you get a lot out of it. A little bit of what the actual story is, uh, while the synopsis focuses heavily on um, Lindsay, the person that we see the most and and stay with the most is a character named Izzy. Now, Izzy is kind of the town fangirl for horror fiction. And she, her disposition throughout this, the entire book is essentially that their town is living in some sort of horror movie or a slasher flick. And because she's so familiar with these movies, she knows pretty much what's going to happen and who's supposed to do what. And so she, the, pretty much everything she says and speaks is in anticipation of her in reaction to something happening and how it fits into that kind of, you know, outline of what a, what a horror flick should be. Yeah. She's, uh, <laughs> the thing I really liked about her is she's very, very quick witted her, her and her friend Brittany both have, uh, just very sharp wit and, and are, you know, probably sarcastic to the point where it's, it's, <clears throat> only fitting in a movie, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. the, the whole thing is, as much as it's an homage, I think it almost kind of pokes fun a little bit at, at the horror genre too, because they're always very quick with comebacks and, and they're always very in the know about what's going to happen. And, you know, it's just, just done very, very brilliantly. And I got to say, I didn't really care for Lindsay much at all. So I'm much happier that he chose a much more likable protagonist to take us through the story. Yeah. And her character, I, I was trying to think of someone I could I could compare it to, and I hate to do something like, oh, I'm totally gonna regret saying it, but I, I it's the feeling I get is like almost the characters out of Juno, where they're young, really smart ass girls who do their own thing, and it seems like they live kind of they live within the real world, but it's their own like kind of imagined reality to some degree. Um, that or really any kind of spunky 
hard no hard ass kind of female character from a book like uh maybe even something like abby normal from christopher moore's uh series of vampire books something in that kind of like an alternative kind of punky weird chick kind of feel you finally said something i understood in that conversation yes <laughs> i can totally see abby normal as as izzy so, mm-hmm. totally see it yeah. And then, you know, there's there's the entire concepts. So like, let me kind of because I know people get distracted when they hear Rob and I reading in our sexy reading voices. Um, but yeah, let, so let me <laughs> Just get all wistful and everything like <laughs> it's someone drives right off the road. Um, <laughs> so Lindsay survives this this brutal attack. She everybody her all her other friends were slaughtered. So she's the girl that, you know, is at the end of a horror film. Um, she's now the town, you know, princess, the town hero. You know, she's certainly going to be the homecoming queen. Um, but basically, she's uh, she, that's not enough for her. So, you know, she picks, she apparently assumes that the killer is not dead. I won't give too much of the story away. So she assumes the killer is not dead and, um, you know, amasses these other girls around her for when the killer comes back. And th- this is where the book gets very, very interesting. And the concepts that, that Jones dealt with, I think, were just fantastic. Yeah. So essentially, um, she assembles, like the, the synopsis said, these these other girls, uh, uh, the guys and girls around her as the homecoming court, because the original homecoming court all died. The the, the movie, the movie, see? That's how much it feels like a movie. Um the story essentially is just from that the very first chapter or two is just dealing with summarizing that attack that happened to her that she survived and then the rest of it is leading you know from that point leading up to the actual like day of homecoming everybody pretty much anticipating that this killer is going to come back and 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 all the crazy stuff that happens in between it's uh it draws on a lot of classic things that you see in horror movies uh, and one of the things that I thought was just so well executed in the book was the way that he set up things that you would see that you could kind of tell were going to come back later in the book. So if, the example I can think of would be uh, the the first opening scene where Lindsay survives the attack from the, the crazy killer is uh, it, it ends when the killer falls off a cliff and lands in this river and it's assumed that he died. But then later on, you know, within a chapter or through the next there's not even really chapters it's just one continuous thing but within 15 or 20 pages the girls are you know Izzy and her friend um Brittany and some other people are up on the same cliff she has Izzy has to get home really quick and what she does is she runs and jumps off this cliff and goes into the river and it, and it's revealed that if you do it a certain way you can jump into the river and there's a deeper spot that you can land in without you know killing yourself basically so those types of things he does plants that thought in your mind that, oh, you know, so there is a possibility that the killer could have survived the fall in a realistic way. And, and you know, that's that typical kind of reveal that you would see in a horror flick or something that I think he, he pulled off very, very well in the, in the book. He also manages to keep it twisty and turny enough. Turny enough. Is that even a word? Twisty and turny? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Twisty and turny enough that... um you you don't know what's going on. You know, is it a copycat killer? Is it the original killer? I mean, there's you know, there's there's just really great stuff that goes on there. I do want to say that there's a couple of bits of pure genius, and probably the one I can safely talk about because it's in the synopsis is that there is a former final girl from another crazed killer um, who, who's a character in this. So you know, you have the the current final girl, and you know. 
another girl that survived another attack, which is just just awesome to put the two of them together in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. Going back to uh, when we reviewed Zombie Bake Off not too long ago, uh, David James Keaton made a, per- a very good point that um, in that book, Jones did a very nearly impossible thing of introducing new elements to your typical zombie story. And I think that Jones, again, is his creativity and his imagination. He, he added a different twist to horror stories that at least I haven't seen. I'm no expert or anything, but like to me, that was something new to introduce the idea that, you know, the, the, the final girl is almost like a species of person almost, you know what I'm saying? Like they're a different type of person. (laughs) And, um, a very good way to put it. (laughs) <laughs> so that was um that was just a cool thing because like usually it's the one girl and then everybody else everybody's got their role but he introduces the idea of what if these girls you know were there together and stuff so he yeah the the man's just endlessly fascinating with his his the way he does stuff like that i don't know what else i can say without being spoilery because we're very obviously going to recommend people read this book yeah um I mean, the nature of the book is that it's just, you know, something you can't talk too much about because all of the fun is in the twists and the turns and, you know, the outcomes. So more than most books, probably we're not going to want to spoil this one. Um, One thing I did want to say, if it's cool, much like Zombie Bake Off, which we read before, I think it came up with that, too. I think that this is the type of book that you can you can get as much as you want out of it in a way if you just want a quick read that's entertaining you can blast through it in a couple hours and be, you know, be happy with the book that you read. Um, but if you want to go deeper into it, I know David James Keaton is probably like, you know, scribbling furious notes in the, you know, the margins and stuff. Um, there's a lot. Those, he has a board up with like little strings, you know, wrapped around like the, the pins, you know, yeah. leading to another <laughs> string. <laughs> it's conspiracy theory map. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, seriously, this book goes so deep into the whole trope of what a final girl is. And I just Googled final girl to see what came up. And there's actually a whole Wikipedia article on final girl as being a horror movie trope. So it's definitely something that's well established. And I mean, this is really kind of like a study and an examination of, of that particular part of a horror movie. It's just the focus of the book is so much about the final girl, but he turns, he looks at so, so many different sides of it. So you can read this book and just have fun with a nice, good kind of slasher style story, or you can really dig down into it and learn more about horror, how horror stories are structured and are movies, that type of thing. And actually probably get good recommendations for a lot of horror movies along the way too. Yeah. It, you know, say it's, it's a super fun, quick, fast paced, you know, ride. Um, I think Rob's right. I think you can actually get a lot of it. You know what I was thinking, though, while you were saying that is that how does that happen? So whatever, you know, you go back and you find the first final girl in a movie. And then, you know, is it I think it's just because women being the, you know, the quote unquote weaker of the species that, you know, that that's how it happened. But after it happened four or five times, it just wasn't acceptable to have like a final guy like it always had to be a final girl. And have there been final mm. guys? That's a good question. So did somebody turn the turn the whole genre on its ear? With a final dude? Yeah, and I don't, like, I, I know when, you know, we, we've had people on the show who are a little nutty about movies. Like, I watch a movie and it doesn't really stick in my mind a whole lot. So I know I watch a lot of those horror movies, but I can't think of a final dude. Yeah, no, I'm kind of stuck. 
and I'm sure that, you know, had we had Mr. Jones on or, or Keaton, that they would have an answer just readily at hand. And I mean, I'm, I'm left kind of struggling with the idea, but I mean, they, they touched on it briefly in the book and it's something that I don't really remember exactly what he said. So I don't want to butcher it, but, um, and especially with, um, the, the idea of, of the virgin, like the innocent girl mm. being especially, you know, a specific type of person and, and the way that even, okay. So like cabin in the woods, I've been watching that movie nonstop lately cause it's finally out on DVD and that movie examines the, the idea of, of the different types of people in your typical horror story. You got the, the jock and the whore and the, the nerd and the, the fool and the, the virgin and the virgin, you know, so in cabin in the woods, essentially these people have to die in order to, for, you know, this ritual thing. And the virgin's the one who her death is optional. As long as she suffers, she doesn't necessarily have to die in order to satisfy the, the requirements. So yeah, with, with girls, it's weird. Um, and, and, but sex is always something that is punished. Um, and being a virgin is, is something that somehow gives you more power or protection or something. It's, it's strange. So, yeah, but, and that's what I'm saying is how does that come to happen that there are so <laughs> many movies, you know what I mean? Yeah. So is it just very formulaic? Like, Hey, I'm going to make this movie. And I saw these other two movies and they both had this exact kind of scene where, you know, the teenagers are caught having sex. And so I have to, you know, our killer has to skewer them, but you know, this time instead of doing it in a bedroom, it's going to be in a barn or, yeah, I mean, I just don't mm-hmm. know if it was, well, like, like how take, something like that comes to be. Let's take the Friday, the 13th movies. I know it with, with that specific series of movies, Jason, uh, in the first movie, you, you find out essentially that, um, Jason died at camp because the camp counselors who were supposed to be watching him were having sex. And so he was, he drowned in the lake when, when the, the camp counselors were off having sex and not there to, you know, save him. And so in the first movie, his mom is killing camp camp counselors in revenge for, you know, the, the death of her son. And that's kind of how, the the sex equals punishment thing is established in that storyline um so yeah i don't know if it's different on each but like i know that one specifically that's how it happens i'd just like to take a moment to apologize to any of our listeners that were planning on watching friday the 13th which <laughs> rob just very effectively spoiled for everybody but uh, <laughs> my apologies you know what any any movie that came out more than 30 years ago you don't have to spoiler warn god damn it it's been over 30 years hasn't it probably well it's 2012 so yeah, if it came out 82 or later, no, earlier. <laughs> I'm glad you worked that out yeah. for everybody. Damn it. Don't make fun of me. I was thinking you might I just IMDB it. Well, I was about to. <laughs> then you started laughing at me. Now <laughs> I'm going yeah, to. It I came out 30 years or later. <laughs> Damn it. 1980. Boom. How do you like I'm me now? To. Love you. Always have. <laughs> yeah, anything that's that old. Although, you know what? The remake came out in 2009. We'll see, and some people might have not seen that yet. Yeah, sorry guys. Well, I'm only spoiling the original. So anyway, I guess my question is unanswerable, because I'm sure there have been essays written about it. Maybe that Wikipedia article explains it, but I, you know, that's all theories from people. So I just don't know. It's weird whenever you see something get repeated like that, like how that happens. Yeah. How that comes to be. Oh, you ready to do some quotes? I don't know what else we can do without, you know... No, I think we effectively talked about, yeah, the the book the best we could. Um, that's about it, yeah. So let's do, yeah, do you got some quotes? Why don't you start? So my first quote isn't 
so much a quote as it is just an example of how brutal this can be in places. So um, and I'm not even going to give you the setup on how this happens. You can come about it on your own, but I'm going to give you what the result is. Jerry comes down hard and awkward, his open mouth catching the lip on the far side of the pool for one last, especially deep kiss. It forces his chin down, his face up, curbing him, Edward Norton style. Yeah. It gets pretty gruesome and, and shudder worthy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I'll lighten it up a little bit uh, with the quote. I, I'm only going to do one quote. Um, not that he's not quote worthy of the book. I mean, it's just, it's pretty chock full of great moments, but um, I'm going to blame my own laziness. I don't have a lot of quotes that are um, prepared right now. So here's the one I've got. And this is a little bit longer. It's a little bit of a conversation between Izzy and Brittany, her, her best friend. Um, and they're talking about being in a horror movie in general. Uh, and you'll get the gist of it definitely quite easily. You don't have to be aware of the formula to fall victim to it, Izzy shrugs, pulling up in front of the video store, her headlights glaring off the front glass. Everybody's a walking cliche. Uh, so I'm going to skip a little bit, and then there's another part uh, a couple lines later. Uh, so I can go to church, Brittany smiles, commandeering the mirror to sloppy bun her hair up, do her lips, maybe invent a re-virgining machine. Hymenator 2000, Izzy says, liking it, guaranteed to make you invulnerable to slashers, endorsed by four out of five final girls. I like that a lot. Yes, that one was good. And that's the the type of just, you know, quick kind of humor and, and the way this book kind of pokes fun at, at, you know, horror movies. I think that's just a perfect example of that. Totally. And that part where she says, you don't have to be aware of the formula to fall victim to it, I thought was just... Excellent. It was a nice way to sum up a lot of a lot of the philosophy of what's going on with those two guys, two girls. I have a one more quote that Rob and I had collectively. Um, and he was so kind, so kind to let me have this one. But um, we're going to talk about it because I think we both uh, it was both our favorite thing in the book here, our favorite line in the book. But everything's horror, isn't it? Sometimes you just can't see the blood. Great line. Very good line. It's all horror. <laughs> it's all horror. <laughs> I'm Passerella. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, just, just a lot of fun. I mean, that's the one thing I could say about this is it was just a very fun ride. Yeah. Um, since you're already starting your wrap up, you want to get rolling on that? Oh, that was my wrap up. Never mind. <laughs> so, um, first of all, it was nice to get in, um, a slasher book this month. Um, something I don't think we do nearly enough of, not necessarily slasher, but some type of you know, horror feel book. Um, we do a lot of dark and, you know, whatever you want to call it, realistic horror, that noiry kind of, you know, feel. But it was so fun to just get out there and felt like you were kind of just like running with one of these maniacs with a, you know, a chainsaw in one hand and a machete in the other. So it was a, a great way to to kind of get this month going. Um, just a lot of fun, a super, super quick, quick, fast pace. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it just, you plow through this book. I literally read it in two sittings. First sitting was 30 pages. The next sitting was 150. So, or 170 or whatever works out 200 pages, roughly a book. So, um, can't say enough good things about it. I mean, if you are a fan of slasher films, horror films, um, films in general, uh, I think that you would get a lot out of just kind of the, the shots he decides to show you and the pan aways and, and, you know, what point of view you're looking at something from. So, uh, definitely a wide variety of people would like this. It is a little rough in parts. There's, uh, as far as, um, the violence goes, uh, there's, you know, probably 
you know, four or five scenes that are a little, you know, tummy turning if, if that's not your thing. So uh, other than that, though, go get this book, four and a half stars. All right. I'm going to start by just saying a couple things that I said earlier. And this is typical of, of Jones, I think, books to some degree, especially with Zombie Bake Off. And again, with this one, um, The Last Final Girl, he, he has books that you can read at different kind of levels of engagement. You can read them really quickly through uh, for an entertaining, just quick piece, or you can read them a little bit deeper and, and dig into some of the more thoughtful, insightful things that he writes in the books that he doesn't do in a very pushy, overt way. He does it. It seems like he does it in a way where you can choose to engage at the level you want to, which I think is uh, kind of impressive. Uh, the book itself, very, very entertaining. Definitely some fun characters that were, were great to kind of watch what happened to them. And the story was just straight up classic slasher in a very, very good way. So I dug it a lot. And again, I mean, Jones is just killing it. <laughs> Livius is right. It's uh, nice to actually get a horror movie in October. It's our, again, movie. Damn. It's, uh, <laughs> it's good to get a, a horror book in October. It seems like it's a little more difficult than, than it should be for us to find good horror books right now. So glad we got to kick it off with Stephen Graham Jones. I really, really dug the book. And I'm going to go with Livia's four and a half stars. Look at us in perfect symmetry, like three episodes running, I think. Yeah, no, we got to stop that. We do. Let's go totally different ways on the next one. <laughs> Something that you said is, is absolutely true and in Maybe I need some help. Maybe I need other people who, you know, read horror for a long time to, to help me out with this. You know, we want to do kind of a horror themed October because, you know, it sounds like a really original concept, right? Yeah, no one so, thought of that, I'm sure. Yeah. So, um, see, so I reached out on Twitter in the book podcast listening group and I asked. And um, here's the thing I know I, as much as I have grown to like short stories much more than I did before. I just want to engross myself in 350, 400 pages of just goddamn scary. So, you know, I asked for some suggestions. Nothing, I'm not to suggest that those books weren't any good. They just, none of them really grabbed me. And I know Rob is going to, this is, Rob knows I've been passionate about reading a good horror book for a while. So he's just letting me run with, you know, with whatever comes up. And uh, I spent tonight for the second time this week now, I went through 50 plus pages of Amazon horror. And that's, I don't know, probably 20 or so, um, you know, books per page. You'd think, you'd think I could find something that was, you know, recent and, and by recent, believing my definition of recent has changed a lot over the last few <laughs> days. Recent. Now I was looking at things from like March. I was like, that's recent. It's only good, you know, six, seven, eight months ago. I just remember being younger. And when I say younger, I was probably in my late teens, early twenties and, you know, walking into a horror section and finding six or seven things that I thought were, you know, were fascinating that I wanted to read. And now I go through a thousand and can barely I think out of those thousand, I probably flipped open seven or eight tabs. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. In October. In October. Well, that's the other thing I kind of noticed. I looked at, even looked at the upcoming books thinking there's still weeks until Halloween. <laughs> There are four pages of books being released on Amazon that are classified as horror. So that would, I'm guessing those would be you know, bigger presses, not self-pub stuff that probably doesn't have a coming soon right. you know, yeah. spot. Um, four pages. And that includes reprints of like Stephen King stuff. And I mean, so it's not even that there's four pages of new horror coming out in October. But there's a lot of it coming out like the week of October. So let me tell you something else, publishers. Releasing a horror book on Halloween not a great idea because November 1st, totally out of the mood. <laughs> it's 
sad but true. That's really true. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. I don't know. If anybody, if anybody has anything, I'm gonna go back to the last year. So from the last year that you think was just terrifying, it has to be one fluid novel, terrifying. And here's the whole thing. So if I'm not terrified by it, I'm going to call you out on the show for it if you recommend it. So you got to be sure this is going to be a scary, good, scary book. I am totally open to suggestions at this point. Yeah, why is it so tough? All right, so the gauntlet is thrown. Um, We're saying that there's no good horror stories out there, no truly scary, scary horror horror novels out there right now. So uh, it's up to you guys to prove us wrong and and give us a title that uh, we're going to say is worthy of of being called a truly scary horror novel. Bam. What Rob said. Bam. Yep. There it is. There it is. <laughs> um, cool. So what else we got going on for this episode? Well, now you've got me all worked up. Um, I know. Yeah. We don't really have much that's uh, that's newsworthy, but you know who does? Uh, I'm going to guess skip Papersley. Skip Papersley, how do we let that guy become just like an ingrained part of the show? How did this happen? Um, it was like a minute and a half of stuff we didn't have to do. Yeah, no kidding. And he outfunnies us pretty much all the time. Let's see if he's uh, if he's up to the task this week. This is Book News. I'm Skip Papersley. This week in Book News, Academy Award winner Emma Thompson is revitalizing the Peter Rabbit franchise. While the Beatrix Potter classics had Peter Rabbit stealing lettuce, Thompson's versions will take him across the countryside into Scotland, breaking rules as he goes. Thompson described Peter Rabbit as sort of anarchistic. When news hit U.S. public and private schools that the word anarchy was used, the book was preemptively banned. Butts, butts, butts. According to the American Journal of Leading Reading Reader, the favorite word that avid readers of the English language like to come across is butts, the kind with two T's. According to the survey, the second T is for titillating. President of the organization, Dr. John T. Carmichael, said, We are disheartened to hear such a pedestrian word as everyone's favorite, though, while we may not like the results, publishing them is our duty. Ha ha, duty. Now, the New York Times bestsellers in fiction recap. Well, it appears that the same as last week, so I'll give you an even more brief synopsis. Time keep. Mitch, five. Want, man, child, four. Gone girl, sad face, three. Ken full, winter world, two. JKR, TCV, one. This has been Book News. I'm Skip Papersley, signing off. Okay, and that was Skip Papersley giving us the latest book to news. Um, due to an error, some sort of glitch in the space-time continuum, we haven't actually heard it yet, so we don't know what he said at all. Um, I'm assuming it was hilarious, because it always is. So uh, thanks again to Skip for, for, for keeping us up to date with uh, what's going on in books. And don't forget, if you like Skip Papersley, you could hear more of him here, because it's the only place you'll find him, book podcast. That's right. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up, this was brought to my attention as recently as I believe yesterday, I was talking to a coworker and, uh, she pointed me in the direction of this, this thing, uh, called the humble ebook bundle. And, uh, she sent me an email about it. So I'll kind of explain what it is and I'll I'll read you a little bit from the email. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to give you the gist of it by reading a little bit. 
Uh, Humble Ebook Bundle is here with an amazing collection of literary tales by award-winning authors. Essentially what it is is a bundle of ebooks that you can uh, choose to pay what you want for. If you choose to pay more than what the average person has paid, you'll also be able to get two more books than what is in the, the standard bundle. They're DRM-free. Uh, work on, I don't know the exact format, but it says they work on your computer, ebook readers, and many mobile devices. And so essentially what happens is uh, you you buy this bundle, you designate the amount of money that you want to spend on it, and then I'm not sure exactly if it's all of it or a portion of it is going to go to benefit the following three charities, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, Child's Play Charity, and the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America. Uh, they're all nonprofits. Um, it looks like through Humble Bundle, which I know does stuff besides ebooks, they do other types of bundles too that they sell. They've raised seven and a quarter million dollars for charity, so that seems pretty cool. They said the bundle of books that's available would t- typically cost about fifty-two bucks, but um, I went to their website to check it out, and it looks like the average bundle uh, people are paying about twelve dollars and forty-three cents. So you're definitely getting a bunch of books for less than you usually would pay for them. You're giving some money to charity, and um, yeah, it's kind of a cool idea. It is a cool idea. Would you tell them what you saw the uh, the top donation was? Oh yeah. <laughs> so the pay you would think that everybody would just be like, "Oh, I'm giving fifty cents." The top contributor paid a thousand dollars. Now, just to be clear, that's still cheaper than buying the latest J.K. Rowling and Stephen King eBooks put together. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. Yeah, and then there's a bunch of people who paid 200, 250, 100, 150 bucks. So there's a lot of a lot of uh a lot of people throwing in a lot of money, but I mean, the average is 12 and a half bucks. So if you think about it, that's not a lot of money. Um here's some of the books. I don't really know the name uh authors of some of these, but the two books you can unlock that are the extras that if you pay the more than average are Signal to Noise, which is written by Neil Gaiman and David McKeon. Uh, there's a book called Old Man's War by John Scalzi, which is the other one that's the unlock one. Uh, the ones that come in the bundle, no matter what, are Cory Doctorow's Pri- Pirate Cinema, Paolo, oh, I'm totally going to say this wrong, Bossy Galupi's book, Pump Six, Lauren Bukes with Zoo City, Mercedes Lackey with Invasion, Kelly Link, Stranger Things Happen, and Kelly Link again, Magic for Beginners. So, handful of ebooks. Not a lot of money. Seems like it's a pretty cool cause. I used to really, really like Neil Gaiman. Used to? Um, I, you know, the last couple of things he did just that I, you know, tried getting into, I just couldn't. There it is. Oh, well, hey. I'll give him another chance. Maybe we'll uh, buy a humble bundle and read some <laughs> Neil Gaiman. I'm going to humble bundle him. I don't know what that means. While we're on the topic, though, of talking about scary things, can I can I talk about a movie trailer that I saw recently that just scared the hell out of me? Yes, you can. Uh, Paranormal Activity 4. Really? That's no. not where I thought you were going with that. <laughs> no. Okay, There is a Paranormal Activity 4 yes. coming out, but the only one that's going to be scared by that is Richard Thomas. Um, have you seen or heard of Sinister, the movie that's coming out? I have. That trailer freaked me out so i went to see a movie at the theater that i'm not going to say which one it was and um sinister it was like within the you know beginning of october so you know that they're just going to be running trailers for horror movies as much Mm -hmm. as possible and i saw the trailer for sinister and that movie 
that trailer looks freaky as hell. Can I ask why you wouldn't say what movie you were going to see? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a little mystery. I want a little mystery on the podcast. We're trying weird. to figure it out. It's none of your goddamn business what <laughs> movies I go see. What if it was something embarrassing? What if I went to see, like, uh, I don't even know. What if it was something embarrassing? Have I mentioned my love for Gossip Girl on the show? Uh, <laughs> I think, I don't know. Maybe you have. Well, there you go. Can it be worse than, than watching Gossip Girl? All right. You want me to tell you? Yeah, I want to know now. It was uh, Taken 2. Oh, see, I, I didn't see Taken, but I've yeah. heard a lot of people say that they saw it and it was good. So, yeah. Taken 2, not so good. Are you going to do a quick review? Are you going to give it a candy rating? Oh, I was talking to someone at work, and uh, and they had a hilarious scale. This is just hilarious. So I was talking to someone at work, and we're talking about Taken 2. And I was saying it's definitely not as good as the first Taken. Um, but then he said, <laughs> he asked me, totally caught me by surprise, but like he said, now, how was it in the scale of Nicolas Cage movies? And I said, as a Nicolas Cage movie, it would be a 9. <laughs> but as any other movie, it's a 2. Ooh, brutal. Yeah. Is, uh, is the guy in it, the guy from Taken? I can't think of his name. Liam Neeson? Yes. Yeah. He is in it. He okay. I, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know if they... Yeah, you know, there's those sequel movies where there's nothing about it from the first... Yeah, I didn't yeah. know if that's where they went with it, so... Oh, he comes back, and there's some crazy fighting and stuff, and uh, there's that one dude who's, like, the the Russian mob guy in, like, every movie ever. He's in there. Lots I, of action, just wasn't really that impressed with the story. I'm looking forward to seeing the other movie that you mentioned. Maybe we'll go on a booked date. To Sinister? Uh, I've taken three. Yes, Sinister. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to poop on myself if I see that movie. <laughs> hey, but speaking of which, um, because I'm so good at multitasking, I was uh, continuing my horror search on uh, on Amazon. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to read you part of the synopsis of this book that I read. So this is just the second part. It says, poor Anne will be slopped on, spewed in, spat upon, penetrated, humped, poked, humiliated, bitch-slapped, gang-sodomized, plungered like a toilet, filled like a decanter, and debased in mass indeed. She will willingly go through a ringer of sexual depravity, depravity to prove her resolve, but along the way, as she converts herself into this veritable receptacle of sullied lust, will she live long enough to unveil the true secret of Alpha House? I don't don't have words. I don't even know if they see, and I don't necessarily know. Like I'm like, how do you not read that book? But I don't know that that would be scary. That doesn't sound scary. It just sounds gross, kind of gross. Sounds entertaining. <laughs> Should I right. not say that on the show? <laughs> Some true colors. Plungered, plungered like a toilet. I've actually read, I'm not even going to mention what this is, but I have, uh, I've read some of this guy's stuff. Oh. It, is, it is pretty foul. So, Wow. Not scary necessarily, but, but interesting and foul. There it is, guys. That might be our fallback book. Um, so speaking of, uh, because we're, we're, I wouldn't say we're struggling, but we have yet to fully decide what our next book is. We're just going to leave it a little bit of a secret, a little bit of a cliffhanger. Um, if- if somebody has a great suggestion, it might be that book, but you have to give me that suggestion really goddamn quick. That's right. Otherwise, we've got some stuff that we're waiting to read. We'll just go with that. So you're going to get a book review, and you're going to get it in time. Um, it just might not be as scary as we'd like it to be. Well, and here's the other thing. If nobody helps us out with this, they're going to force me to review whatever the next book we read, but to review it as a horror book. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's not fair to the author, really, if you think about exactly, it. Exactly, because... 
They may not have written it as a horror book, but that's what my review is going to be. This is how bad I want it, guys. So help help a brother out. That's right. So that's going to wrap. <laughs> that's going to wrap it up for our, our review of the last Final Girl, kicking off October um, in style. But hopefully, you know, but possibly that's going to be the only slasher we get unless uh, something turns around quickly here. Now I'm Rob Olson. I'm Livia Snazzy. Keep reading. Keep reading.